Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. A 13. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, We can work with that, I think. I gotta have some modifiers. It could be a 13 plus. 18. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Doing great. What is the maximum modifier you can have in D&D? I actually don't know the answer to that. I don't know it either. That's our trivia question for this week. You write in and tell us. (laughs) Tell us if you knew it. I know at the beginning, the boys are saying, oh, 10 has to be, has to be the top. That you can add for a modifier. I don't think it is though. I think I think you can get wild. Yeah, I've like never known anybody who was like a really high level character in in their mm-hmm. game. I don't know anybody who's played long enough to get that far. No, I want to know. Yeah, you got to murder a character before they get <laughs> ultimate power, or they become the next villain of the next D and D campaign. Exactly, Ooh. absolute <gasps> power corrupts absolutely. We know this. That would be fun if you kind of played it sort of like The Sims, how you have like those legacy Sims. Only Wait, it'll what? be like, here's our party. The last person alive becomes the villain of the next campaign. And then you just start with all new characters. I mean, to not to get in the weeds, one. but that was the best campaign I ever played. That did happen. Ooh. That we had a, par- a character get too powerful. She turned and then the player had to get a new character because then yeah. she became our big bad. And we had... An- a new character came in but then that's who we were fighting it was mm. amazing i love we it may, we may have to circle back to this topic later later oh. in our discussion mm-hmm. in fact, i think we probably mm-hmm. should mm-hmm. let's get on mm-hmm. with this discussion <laughs> friends loved ones our boy is cursed oh my goodness you sound so delighted now i mean i approve <laughs> but <laughs> This is not a judgment at all, because honestly, I mean, I I think um, when they introduced this at the end of the previous episode uh, and and then carried it through now and did not immediately resolve it, I was thrilled because this is one of my favorite things in fiction is committing to some kind of consequences. You know, when something like allowing something bad to happen to the characters. Yes. I I feel like that's um, in a story that's always been my turning point for really bonding um, with a with a story and, and specifically with a character that when when something bad happens and seeing how they respond and how the people around them respond like because yeah. I mean it's it sounds like it sounds like a, a really terrible character thing about me as a person <laughs> but you know this uh, is a fictional no. universe it's it's not real consequences <laughs> he will be right. fine probably well exactly mm-hmm. that and it's that flavor it's that yeah it just adds something extra yeah, mm-hmm. it gives you something to like, kind of grab onto. Lash I feel like that's onto. the sort of the meat of of a story is 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 how people respond in bad situations. Yes. Yeah, I think it it grounds it in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first thought was like, wow, this is heavy. Like, this is a heavy episode. Right. This whole episode it carries over through all of it, and we get exactly like you said. It gives more weight, and like it makes you see how these characters react, and that's what this entire episode is. And I'm very mm-hmm. excited to talk about it. As Taco said, it can't all be Africa fuck you and boner jokes. <laughs> I can't can. remember his things, but like. It's got to be more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Fitz is out. He's on the ground. Of course, Althea is right. She was right there. So she's asking what happened. What did mm-hmm. you guys do? Immediately mm-hmm. tries to contact Trace, the curse. Yes. Yes. 
and did what we did. Like, who did he talk to? Who, where did exactly. you guys go? Who did you talk to? And we have the spirit and Calhane, the bad wizard. And I love the furbolg for saying that. <laughs> I mean, he called he called that shot immediately. And he interestingly did. enough, when he says it, that's when Althea immediately responds and is like, okay, shh, don't. Uh-huh. Quiet now. Don't. Stop saying words. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they are surrounded by all these other centaurs who, of course, are like, what's happening to that small, well, smaller person mm-hmm. with the beautiful that small, hoofless being. Yeah. Yeah. And what is happening to him? He's, it turns out, Fitz is kind of a, having his own little personal clip show in this uh, nightmare <laughs> yeah. scenario. What a, what a relatable curse to have, having flashbacks Ugh. to your worst moments. To Oof. the bad, bad Oof. things that have happened recently in your past. We do start at Claude Knight's Night Night School. And yeah. I just want a quick shout out to the music that was just so eerie uh, and oh, yes. perfect for this, yes. like going back into your dark times and how you dealt with it. And that, and I do like that we get a lot of fits being like, I'm not proud of this. Like, this right. is not something I'm super happy about how I reacted or how I uh, came to a conclusion. Yeah, you. Mm. we get a lot of insight from not just uh, where we now know that Fitzroy as a character is, but also Griffin and the way he's playing him. And it was just really interesting to see. But also, yes, great point. The music throughout this one, amazing job. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it does, it puts Fitzroy's character in kind of a different context. I mean, this is some things that we had kind of guessed at that uh-huh. we thought were maybe possibilities about why he's so affected. Um mm-hmm. You know, why, like, why does he kind of put on airs a bit, uh, given his actual background? Yeah. But, I mean, so the first day he, he gets into this school that that's, you know, I mean, I'm surely it must have been something that was expensive and that was difficult to get into for it somebody like, like him. It seems like it, yeah. And immediately um, people are snickering at him and, mm-hmm. you know, like, who's yeah. this rando? And his bargain bin robes. Yeah, you right. know, and I mean, that that's, uh, that's a rough experience to go through. I'm sure that almost everybody has had some experience that was similar to that. Right. Um, the sort of nerds who are listening to D&D actual play podcasts, I think this is probably a safe bet that this is a universal experience. This is hitting a little too close to home, guys. <laughs> Brittany needs a moment. I have, I have. <laughs> and just the fact that the other kids were looking at him and whispering like, good castle, and like laughing right. about that. Whew, write that down. Put that on the murder board. That's true. Make a note of that on the murder board. And while he's now just starting in this, again, nightmare of a clip show, Fearbulg and Argo are, of course, trying to help. And Mm -hmm. Fearbulg is immediately trying to see, you know, what is this? What can I sense from this? And he does learn it is psychic. So it's one of those things where, like, in this moment, Argo maybe shouldn't know exactly what... Fitz is getting caught up on in his in his thoughts. But I think you can make it work that as soon as Fearbulg says this is something psychic, it's happening in his mind, Argo reaches for what he does know that other people wouldn't know, which is Fitzroy is putting on airs. He doesn't come from this regal stock that he's pretending. Mm-hmm. So he's he just starts talking to him and quietly saying just to him you know, I'm here and whatever might be happening essentially in your mind, it doesn't matter. Just hold on. Mm-hmm. And it's very sweet. And I like to imagine he's holding his hand and, you know, just. Oh, see, I totally imagine him kneeling next to him and maybe like cradling his head on his lap. I yeah. mean, that's what I kept hoping. And then he never gave us that specifically. <laughs> so I was like, I guess I won't overreach too much. There's definitely hand holding, though. And, you know, Porky Nilostos, have him on his lap, too. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to stop you. 
<laughs> Argo does do our first support role of the season. And I love this idea. totally whiffs it, though. Oh, he did but I do it. love the idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I love this mechanic. Um, and I think in, in this particular instance it was especially effective because i thought clint almost sounded legitimately freaked out trying to think of something Aww. like looking at his character sheet like wait how am i going to help with this yeah. you know um mm-hmm. I, I felt i felt like maybe there was some legitimate um emotional kind of bleed there sure. uh, which i can understand as, as a player that you would that you would feel like oh no i need to be useful in this situation and i don't yeah. know how and building a mechanic off of his immediate instinct of like, maybe what I should do in this situation is be supportive, which I think is something that we've seen Clint do with his characters in the past. Yes. Even though they're all very different people um, and have sort of expressed that in different ways. Yeah. That, that that's a that's a tendency in his in his play style as well. And right. that was like, it felt like this really nice moment of um, synergy, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> word, of those things coming together and, and working off of each other. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. even though he does with it, he did try and again it is a very cool mechanic that travis has built into the game here for specifically sidekicks which that's what argo's here to do that's what he's Mm -hmm. he's here to be so good at but unfortunately he's not able to help out too much with fitz just yet and and, you know early on here we're still like how is this actually going to play out as fitz is still kind of stuck in these memories and like we said this is where he's he's picking up all these new mannerisms and whatnot not only because he doesn't want to get made fun of by his classmates but also because he thinks it's maybe the only way he's ever going to be respected as a knight period like yeah. mm-hmm. that's huge yeah that's very sad like is uh, is i mean an understandable response to uh, what they were saying about him sort of being seen as a teacher's pet that he's yeah. he's a little bit of a try hard and that that alienates him from people and that you know, the only way that he can think of to cope with it is to disconnect himself from like this right. previous version of his personality that was very social and and very sweet and, and to have to try to distance yourself from people and thinking that that's the only way that he can be successful. Mm-hmm. Oh, Fitz. But I, I did want to point out that, you know, I, I, f- I very much feel for Fitz, but he also maybe maybe this is something that happens a lot with young people that mm-hmm. he's he's talking about how fast he sort of shifted his personality and yeah. and griffin specifies that it's something that he could get used to and mm-hmm. and i think that that puts it in a slightly different context so this isn't just something that he's doing to make other people like him it's maybe something that is building a, a version of himself that that he likes the benefits of better. Mm-hmm. Sure, and I, I think that that I just wanted to to bring that up because I think that it feeds into some some of the the things he talks about later as well. That's a very good point. Yeah, it's it's a complicated set of feelings. Yeah, Fitz is a really complicated character. He mm-hmm. really is, and it's interesting because you know, of course, they all start as like fun, fun, <laughs> goof him up. Yeah, and then yeah, we get this point where he is desperate to make something of himself yeah ready to sacrifice parts of himself to make that happen right and yeah and just like yeah what Anne had said was that he oh god what did you just say <laughs> well it there's was like, really good he, he's come up with this fake version of himself that's it but i think that he doesn't I think maybe oh, he, he likes the fake version. I think yes, he likes I think he likes it. the the lie version of himself maybe mm-hmm. better than he likes who he really is that he's kind mm-hmm. of um 
it's something that he's gotten into that he enjoys that he benefits from i mean which is that's really complicated right like to have have a person that you pretend to be in certain situations but then you then you sort of start start to lose track of who you actually are right see this is where it's bringing it too close to home i have so many versions of myself i'm catfishing so many people (laughs) all the time constantly (laughs) (laughs) who am i now i'm not sure I am actually Griffin McElroy, just playing. Oh my god! I, I thought so. Look, I if you look over at my little tiny murder board over there, it just has a picture of Anne and a picture of Griffin, and then same person question mark equal my, equal sign. Well, and I think it might also just be sometimes when you are making those changes actively, it almost helps you also become more of the person you actually are, you know, because sometimes you're mm-hmm. you're raised a certain way. And then later on, you're like, oh, it turns out this is who I actually am. This is who I can actually feel more free to be. So I don't know. It could be because obviously we all like fits the way he is now you know so i would hate to say that this is for sure all like what he's doing now is all fake because i don't think it is you know so it's like how much of it was just him coming into himself and how much of this is really him just still trying to just hold on just let me be a knight just respect me you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think he has a lot he has a lot he's trying to figure out about himself yes and this is the place to do it here with your buds (laughs) Your your sweet sweet buds. This is where this next support role is where we see it take its effect. This is where we go. Okay, this is working because Argo can't think of what else to say, so he starts reading to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we got to find out some of the content of the Larry the Lime books. Apparently, completely oh. off the cuff. <laughs> All totally off the cuff. And the more he reads, the more it turns into quote unquote reading to Fitzroy, <laughs> for sure. But it's so sweet because even as he's reading and he makes this other support role, this is where we see in Fitzroy's nightmare, he suddenly feels a little bit better. And it's mm-hmm. it's very, very cute. I'm living for this. This was very appropriate considering that real life Clint McElroy has been reading to people on the, uh, the family YouTube channel for weeks. That's sweet. Just let it lessen your anguish, everybody. Ah, <sighs> 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 thank you, Internet Father. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fearbulg is off. He's gonna go check on Kilhane's tent, and oh, what's this we find? It's a primo stuff. This time around. This is this not time. your Spencer's hot topic <laughs> knockoff situations. This is like handmade. Gorgeous. Very magic mirror. It's very Beauty and the Beast up in here for a moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also hackers simultaneously because he has to unlock <laughs> to use it. It's the special hackers AU of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> He's in. He's in, and he can't see who's on the other side, but he uh-huh. can hear them. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, those Zoom meetings, something's always going oh, wrong, Oh, my goodness. Right? <laughs> Jeez. That's, this whole episode hits way too close to home in too many areas. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I'm out. Can Thank you hear me? So much. Can you hear me? Am I muted? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Sorry, I got kicked off. And somehow he, I'd like to imagine like most people do in Zoom meetings, is able to just grunt his way through the (laughs) conversation. I would definitely argue that if he didn't say anything, it would definitely be a performance check and not a deception check. You can perform without saying a word. To deceive, I think you have to be able to talk. Hmm, That's fair. That's fair. I think think it could have gone either way. Right. I just, I'm going (laughs) to argue with Travis Travis every chance I get. (laughs) Trav? (laughs) We're going to have a... A Zoom meeting? uh, Exactly, yes. Thank you. (laughs) But in any case, 
we have a disembodied voice mm. asking if he's got it yet. Uh, Do you have it? Uh, Do you have it? And we were getting nothing. And we all assume, I would all, I would assume all of us assume that it's the apple. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder if it could be, the apple could be a red herring. It seems feasible. A red herring. Yeah. Yeah. It crossed Again. my mind as well. Yeah. Yeah. Don't trust anybody. No, never. <laughs> We're just so paranoid now. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's so true. It seems be. like it's probably the magic apple everybody's trying to steal, but who knows? <laughs> it does seem like it. I mean, but what? wouldn't it be wild if it was something else? Regardless. See, this is my argument that it's not. Uh-huh. Well. But what do you think mm, it is? I don't know what it is. Mm. But I to to talk about this, I would have to jump ahead. Well, well, we can bit. just put bookmark this now, and then you bring it up later when we hit it in the show. I'm all put a pin in it, okay, and then perfect. once we get a little further on, I yeah. will take that pin and I will bring it up again. Dab it into your hand. Okay, perfect. <laughs> no. However, most importantly, Justin makes this roll, and we know who the oh. voice is on the other side of this mirror. We think <laughs> it sounds a whole bunch like fake Hieronymus Wiggenstaff. What? <sighs> what a creep. The creepiest creeper who ever crept through that school, I think. I mean, it certainly seems that way. Gosh, I can't wait to figure out who's actually, like, pretending to be this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Demon prince, question mark? Three kids on each other's shoulders? Oh, (laughs) could be. A dog? Really twisted around? Spaces? I don't know. That will Fo- be very Fo- funny. Phoronymous? Is that anything? Um, that's that's it. Ooh. That's who. That's who's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's close enough. That's as close as I'm going to get. That's how we will differentiate. Because even the boys ask if we were talking to a dog. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But no. it would have been very <laughs> funny if this was all the dog Hieronymus's evil evil plan somehow. I mean, and it might be. <laughs> I guess we don't know that yet, do we? Not yet. So we don't know what exactly is being looked for, but we do know that Calhane is gone. He's gone. And it looks like he left immediately after the boys left from confronting him initially, which is, you know, very suspicious. It and is. and the furbolg is able to determine that there is illusory magic all around them. Ugh. Son of a bitch! Like that's you. Oof. Very ominous possibilities. Yes. Mm. Right, because it's powerful. It's a very strong illusory magic, and even just following it, like as if it's a cartoon scent. From a pot <laughs> on a window. The stink lines, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's following that stink line straight to the tree. And didn't you bring this up? What did I bring up? That, that it was Calhane. No, that Calhane was like playing playing us all as fools the whole time. She probably did. I'm, I might have, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't remember what I said two weeks ago. <laughs> She's spinning theories left and right. You know, yeah. Let's take a look at the murder board. I have a lot of theories. Some of them are right. Some of them are very wrong. <laughs> Eventually, well, I mean, this is what the murder board's supposed to be for, but it's all mostly just a pin up and cute pictures. Right. I'm just here to offer possibilities. I'm not necessarily here to actually be correct. <laughs> <laughs> but I would believe it. You tend to be very good at these things. Regardless, obviously, this, much like the stink lines, it does absolutely stink. Speaking of bad magic, back in Fitz's terrible flashback, It's the magic class that he's really, really terrible at, even though he's an elf, because apparently at this point in his school career, his magic has not yet awakened. And all he has to do is light a candle, wasn't it? And he can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He hasn't been able to do it. We go to the Everyone else got it on their first try. Uh, 
This this oh, hit close to home squib. for me because I was almost kicked out of kindergarten despite reading at uh, almost had to repeat it even though I was reading at a third grade level because for some reason I had a terrible terrible time learning to tie my shoes. Oh, no. <laughs> I got into awful trouble with my teacher about it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Oh wow! I mean, we had Velcro like which is basically shoe magic. So why <laughs> would you not just use Velcro? Velcro's just as good. It took me a while to learn how to tie my shoes too. That's that's basically what Fitzroy's dealing with here. He can't tie his damn shoes, and everybody's making fun of him for it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, and finally, this is where, oh, you you asked for magic long enough. Boom, guess what? Mm-hmm. It's here. Ah, I was sent home with, over a, with a shoe box to practice on with laces <laughs> in it, but I did not turn my teacher into a catfish. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes you wish you could have. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just me. But yes, the the teacher catfished. And and when I loved this moment and the way that Griffin decided to play it in when she gets turned back into her proper form, that in her eyes he can see that she's now got this fear of him. And then the fact that it's both devastating and a little bit thrilling to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I thought it was interesting the way that um, Griffin described this. Not He doesn't say like, you know, Fitz liked feeling powerful he fits liked being noticed by power which is an important distinction because i think that those are two different things yeah that um exerting power over someone else and having someone who is powerful respect you for some reason those are different even though fear is not the same as respect but but from his standpoint i think it was close enough and it was Mm -hmm. still noticed it was still being noticed and getting that attention that's it. Having that attention, having the uh, the notion that she will remember this. Yes. Like, I am going to be You've remembered. made an impression. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I... That's... It's very villainous, I must say. <laughs> you say that just as I go, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, is anybody surprised? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and even during all of this, Argo keeps reading to him and even then this is where again i feel like he's quote reading to him i picture him like l- glancing up oh, at yeah. Fitz from the book as he's going until he's full on just looking at Fitzroy and talking and he's like mm-hmm. quote unquote reading uh-huh very yeah. sweet i especially would agree with that because i kind of had the impression that these are books that argo probably knows by heart I'm guessing he knows them really well. I don't know that he needs to actually be able to physically read them from the book. <laughs> I love that idea. In my mind, yeah, he's just, it's him making it up. Like, in, so right. I mm-hmm. I pictured he was like making up an entire Larry the Lime story, but to everybody around them, it mm. looks like he's reading. That yeah. was how mm-hmm. I was taking it. I love this because I had written that I can't wait to hear Nell's thoughts on the subtext <laughs> on this. I mean. Because it does seem very on the nose of what he's talking that's about. True, yeah. yeah. And how it's relating to the situation at hand. Well, and I like that they don't say either way. So it could be that mm-hmm. this is this is actually what the story is. And you're totally right. And he just knows that that's what it is. I think by the end he was making it up. So, I mean, maybe, maybe we're sure. both right that there was sort of a segue between something that he knew super well into something mm-hmm. that felt more relevant to the situation. Yeah. I think that's it exactly. Decided. <laughs> Gavel down. We've all agreed. It's very diplomatic. And mm-hmm. I do think that that makes total sense because, yes, at the beginning, it sounds like typical Larry. And then by the end, it's getting very, very specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Regardless, I love it. Well, I love that fate totally intervened and the support roles have gotten better and better yes. and better. 
Mm-hmm. Perfectly, because you would think, yeah, like it makes sense that the first one, not great. Like Fitz feels very alone and lost in this world. And then as Argo keeps pushing and pushing and yes. reading and like, I assume, wiping the sweat from his brow and, you know, petting his head a little bit. Exactly. Then he's feeling more of like that connection and that like, right. I'm not alone in this. I do have people right. looking for, looking out for me, looking for mm-hmm. me. wanting me to be better right because this is where then in the in his nightmares he's waiting to be told essentially he's canned from from the school entirely and even in that moment there's a flicker of hope and that's Mm -hmm. specifically because argo's there Mm -hmm. yeah oh my god i love it so much but okay we gotta go back to the field we have all over the place all over the place episode i'm here for all of it so we have Fearbold knows his boy Argo is taking care of his boy and CEO, so he is on it in the field. Field reporter Fearbold, <laughs> boots on the ground, <laughs> boots on the ground, <laughs> apple in the tree? Question mark. This illusory magic is way too strong. Yeah, it's clearly centered on the tree, which is definitely not good, not a good sign. Mm-hmm. But then it also seems to have something to do with the guards. And I know we talked Ugh. about the music earlier, but like quick oh shout out oh. to oh. to the timing on this, the combination of Griffin composing and I assume Travis editing. Um, yes. The, the, as he's figuring out uh, like like uh, his Justin's successful role and he's figuring out that the Sentinels are an illusion. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. That was, that was good stuff. It's so good. This is that D&D shit I love. When Justin says, like, they're illusory, it, it's so, like, that is a player playing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's him And then being. just that decision, like, I'm just going to walk up and take it. Like, yeah. fuck this game. I'm going to do this. <laughs> this oh, is how... Guys, I miss playing so much. We're going to start a game. You wait for it. This is how I pictured this scene happening. This is the moment in the movie where it's just it's gorgeous and dramatic so the same music this beautiful music that's playing right here is also playing as it's like argo reading to fitzroy and like just looking at him and being so like i'm here for you and just being all sweet and then it's the music and argo's voiceover both happening at the same time as it then cuts also over to the fear like realizing and slowly walking toward the apple and then like full-on going for it as the music's getting even more intense and then of course he reaches for it Nothing. Nothing. And that's where then the music would like drop. Oof. I would like to just add that I think he was standing. I don't know exactly what time of day it is at this point, but we're just mm-hmm. going to assume that it's still daytime. Mm-hmm. That he's standing in this this field and, you know, it's it's like it's sunny. And then, you know, those moments where it's bright and then all of a sudden like a cloud drifts over the sun and everything Ooh, just kind yes. of goes gray and ominous yeah, for a second. Uh-huh. Yes. This and yeah, movie. It's definitely, I would guess, if we're going with human times, it's about five o'clock. They were talking about dinner, but hadn't eaten it yet. And this is all happening within minutes. Within minutes. Fitzroy crashing. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a full-on horror scene now as, like, it's suddenly a little bit darker. The apple is not there. One centaur sentinel is completely gone. The other is a charred corpse. Like yeah. recently, corpse still Who would ever smoking think in this Aww. little fun goof 'em up school story. We'd come to this, right? Oof. I mean, I did call it. <laughs> That's not so much this. Exactly. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Right when we started the set, <laughs> Brittany the was centaur. in the pool for somebody gets burned alive. You do get the money. <laughs> I win it. Oh, no. Timely. <laughs> I can pay my rent. Um, 
No, I had said I wanted the centaur arc to be like five episodes mm. minimum. I forgot That's about true. That. I thought it was going to be very quick. <laughs> if only I knew. Here we go. Now we're burning centaurs alive. Let's go. <laughs> well, we don't know if he was. Oh boy, I hope not. <laughs> I, oh, I, mean... I hope not. I hope this was one. Of, I mean, you know, the guys. The guys a wizard. So I mean, hopefully it was sort yeah. of a uh, a quick um, some sort of fire spell thing. Uh, probably I mean, didn't feel it. It's probably it. fine, right? I'm sure it was <laughs> quick and, and painless. You say, looking again at a charred corpse. Anyway, uh, Fearbulg <laughs> now has to decide what he's gonna do next, and again is just obviously pissed. And he very bravely and brashly, he's going immediately over to the other camp. Yeah, I mean, he's also going there. I mean, partially like. These are the people that they haven't talked to yet, but it's also, yes. it's the wood centaur who's dead and the valley one who's yes. gone, right? So mm-hmm. this is going to yes. look very bad, potentially. I think it's probably what he's thinking of uh, for, the, for the centaurs of the valley, that it's going to, it's going to look like they're the ones who did it and they're the ones who stole yes. the apple. Right. That's exactly it. Because he does, he goes in very calm. He is met with some um, immediate uh, hostility. Yes. Yeah. And luckily Rhodes is here to help. She's in there. She speaks up for him. And with Rhodes, he lets her know, like, hey, Fitzroy is dying. Yes. And Aww. shit is going down. And probably the best quote of the episode, <laughs> we are headed towards effed territory. <laughs> <laughs> and the thought of this beautiful, peaceful, lovely furball just shouting that to uh. this ranger <laughs> to get her to be like, we need to do like oh god it's, it's coming go. to a head i like to think that in the course of argo helping helping fitz learn to swear more effectively that <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> fearbulk has been present for these lessons and has, he's also a baby picking it up yeah, yeah but he's take, he's taken to it much better i would say <laughs> he uses <laughs> it more effectively even... <laughs> he's got that gravitas yeah i love this is absolutely how it happened <laughs> So he's quick to get Rhodes to help him track Calhane. Yes. And this was another... God, Justin just... I know we, we espouse... And he he's very good, but he's very good, he's, you guys. He is. He really he's is. He deserves it. Because we've got uh, Furbolg and Rhodes talking, like, we need to find the, you know, Fitzroy's hurt. We need to find this wizard to help him. And yeah. Rhodes goes, he's like a healer. And Furbolg says, he is your quarry. And I just passed out a little bit with that. <laughs> like, that's, again, so good. It's Somehow mm. Justin is always like a straight shot right to what needs to happen in the scene. Right to all my feelings. Justin, Justin. is constantly giving you that line right before the commercial break. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess not constantly because if it happened all the time it would be kind of like okay it would, exhausting. It, it would get kind of old there'd be so many mo- ads in this show oh <laughs> my god so many they just have to keep cutting away but I think when those times do happen it tends to be him and yeah. it's just it's off the cuff and it's natural he's just instinctively constantly taking off his sunglasses to deliver the sign <laughs> or putting them on or putting them on yeah Another thing I really like about this is, speaking of the the level that Justin brings to the game, the way he's played Fearbulk even, in Fearbulk being the one to go tell them all of this, Rhodes knows the Fearbulk doesn't lie. And that mm-hmm. if there's something that he's serious about, then it needs to be taken seriously. So immediately we have Mimi and Moon, uh, this is still a question mark, uh, they're going to go reunite the leaders, hopefully. They're going to go try to get <laughs> these two together while Rhodes and Fearbulk are going to go find Calhane 
this is all happening. While then we cut back to Fitzroy now waking up in a Twin Peaks sort of scenario, weird room. Thank you. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Even with the nine foot being. Come on. It's It's all there. He's in the red room. He's in the red room with this shiny, fancy, huge being. These giants do really like tall women. Just really, just really large women. I mean, I mean, this all is I not a judgment at all. I want to see you turn into a giant woman. They said it's the Steven Universe Twin Peaks episode, <laughs> the thing we've all been asking for. <laughs> finally, finally brought to you by the McElroys. So we do learn that this this gem fusion is named Chaos. Oh mm. shit! And here we do, you know, in in this very heavy lot to get through episode, we do get some classic Fitzroy in. You know, kind of giving the one-liners to this very imposing and disconcerting being and being like, you know, do you know how ominous you are? (laughs) And uh, letting them know, like, oh, God, that he's getting a performance review. He's like, Jesus, like, I can't get away from being graded, even in a fever dream. How dare. It's just nonstop. I mean, maybe that's, you know, part of it. These dreams, you know, it pulls what you have going on in reality. That's where I would have figured it was how it was coming from. Mm Mm-hmm. But apparently Chaos thinks Fitzroy's doing a great job and just needs to let yeah. loose. Just get loosey-goosey with that magic. Don't ever stop. They're big into what Fitz is bringing. Really lean into mm-hmm. it. And it's both flattering and off-putting. Yeah. Don't wait for someone to give it to you. Make it happen. I would say Chaos is actually a pretty great life coach at this point. I mean, listen. Huh. I'm kind of here for what they're... What they're... <laughs> right? Okay. Like, manifest. Believe it. Believe in yourself. You make it happen. Be a girl boss. Can you see them with a little, like, piece? A little mouthpiece and, like, standing in front of their big room? <laughs> like, you can do and it. And the one audience member is <laughs> as they're pacing back and forth across the stage. Exactly. I have the tigers playing in the background. That's it. Done. Fitz, you gotta go out there. Be the best hashtag boss baby you can be. And he's thinking about it. I mean, who could blame him? Mm-hmm. So Chaos seems to have been following Fitz's life really closely, which is kind of creepy. But <laughs> speaking of, in the real world, Fitz is really failing and Argo's still reading to him, but he kind of starts falling apart. Uh, yeah. Basically, like, I, I don't know uh. if at this point he was trying to, you know, he's he sort of like starts saying kind of nonsense things about about this book. And it clearly, like, either he's trying to make something up that's relevant, but then he finally just breaks down and says, I know about your past and I care about you. And, you know, even if you failed, that's not the end, basically, yeah. like. You know, he really he really yeah. goes deep on the on the confessions here. Right. And I really mm. like how this ended up playing out because the way I think you could take it, at least this is a way I, I, I thought you could take it, is that this is not only Argo trying to reach out and like get Fitzroy to hear him, but it's also possibly him confessing all of this stuff in case this is his last chance to do so. Because yeah. Fitzroy is dying. Yeah. I think, yeah. The, yeah, I definitely felt like at this point he thinks he's going to lose him. I don't know if he thinks that Fitz can hear him, but he needs him right. to hear this if he's going to lose him. Right. This is more important for sure. Yeah. It's a really sweet and honest moment between mm-hmm. the two of them, even if Fitzroy isn't presently here for it. Because, mm. of course, presently he is in Chaos's Mind Palace where they are still giving this uh, motivational speaking <laughs> <laughs> presentation. Where Fitzroy is implored to let his magic just run wild. Yeah, and I would say, you know, Fitz, when someone is like, 
don't you want to feel powerful, but it's in a way that makes other people feel afraid? That's probably <laughs> bad. I mean, that maybe would be don't my be friends hot with tip. that person anymore. Yeah, yeah, they they may not be taking you down the best path for you. Yeah. I'm over here just taking notes. Oh, I should feel bad. (laughs) I'm going to sign up for this course. I'm in. Is it a nine-week course? I can commit for nine. That's about (laughs) it, though. Okay. How much traveling will be? Okay. Yeah, I could do that. (laughs) So while uh, Fitz and Brittany are getting this uh, this pitch (laughs) from Chaos, Fearbulg and Rhodes are back on the case following this apple trail, which sounds adorable. Back to the woods camp and back to, right to, the Thunderman LLC tent. Oh no. Not oh a no. Good sign. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where, like, as it's all happening, like, the moment the apple was illusory, it was like, oh shit, he took it and he's gonna frame them. And it's like, at mm-hmm. least that's where my mind went. I was like, he's gonna make it look like they took it. And then, sure yeah, enough, yeah. you're just then watching it play out as you suspect it might right to the tent oh no our pack is gone oh no there's a cut in the tent i think that was a part where i was like dude you could have just used the door <laughs> now yeah, he's, he loves destruction wild. he also took like, chaos's ha, ha, ha. horses yeah i think the implication was that he was really in a hurry because i assumed mm-hmm. that this whole process with the curse on fits was about buying time like seeing seeing that they were mm. suspicious of him and that he had to do something quickly uh and this maybe he's in kind of the improvisational stage of his plan at this point which included taking out the most powerful magic user and then who would be Mm. the most the quickest to like see through what was going on uh and also using that to distract the other two Mm -hmm. a very good point and i will circle back the whole cutting the slit no one can see him going or out then like they're not watching the sides; you're watching oh. the front flap. <laughs> that makes way more sense. I thought of oh, him like going in the front door, cutting open cut the side and leaving. <laughs> he doesn't. Calhoun does not understand the concept of exits. <laughs> he just doesn't. Oh goodness, like, that I makes can't leave well, out his, the same door I came in. His tent had an entrance sense. and an exit. He doesn't understand tents that don't work that way. He can't turn around. Like once he's it's going like, in a direction, he has to keep going. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, he did go through the front and just didn't even think about it. This is again where the criminals getting sloppy. Oh God, everybody saw me come in. Maybe they'll think I'm just in here chilling. I'll just <laughs> go out the back. Oh no, there's not a door. <laughs> but I do like to imagine also though that uh, Fearbulg and Rhodes also go out the now cut side of the tent. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I assumed that they did, yeah. You had to follow absolutely every every mm-hmm. step. Stay as close, yep. They're following the little, like, uh, is that Dennis the Menace or Family Circle? The oh, Family line. Circle. Yeah, definitely they're following Jeffy family to circus. where he took this apple pie. <laughs> and then this next scene is really where it starts coming to a head with everything Fitzroy's thinking of and locked in and Argo kind of getting to his wit's end because we have Fitzroy who in real time is dying on the ground, but Mm -hmm. in this mind palace, he's telling Chaos that he doesn't want fame the way that it's being offered to him. He doesn't want to get it through causing pain to others. Right. And and Chaos says they're disappointed, but not so much in the fact that Fitz is saying, it's that Fitz isn't having fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not that, and, and they let him know like, hey, yeah, I mean, you're, you're my weapon. Straight up. Right. Sorry, friend. Actually, sorry, not sorry. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly that. Whether you like it or not, 
you you are this weapon. They don't say it, but essentially it's, well, you should probably learn to have fun with it. I don't mm-hmm. know what else to tell you. Meanwhile, what is not a disappointment and what is possibly just as powerful, back in the real world, Argo has... He's he's at his wit's end. He's been trying <laughs> to do the sweet thing, the kind thing, and finally he he he, ta- he takes the hit. He knows is gonna is gonna land. He threatens to wear his clothes. <laughs> I imagine him snapping the book shut and be like, "Okay, listen. All right, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm gonna wear your underwear, and I'm not even gonna shower. <laughs> I will wear your cloak, and it will not coordinate with the rest of my outfit." <laughs> And I will not take good care of it. I will get lime juice on it, which will bleach velvet if you're not oh, careful. Fitz? This is where they don't say it in the show, but I like to imagine the mind palace. It's almost like there's a little, like an earthquake. <laughs> the walls start shaking. <laughs> what? What is possibly threatening this? <laughs> so great is the power, the threat of his clothes being worn by his question mark. It's complicated. <laughs> But, and possibly that helps, but you know it certainly does help, is that there's a white hot pain and a wink from chaos, and suddenly Fitz is awake. Ugh. Ugh. Our Thank boy goodness. is here. He's back. Argo's so happy. He really Yay. is. You know he is. He's the most relieved he's ever seen him. Also, Althea's here, and well, we like to think she helped in bringing him back to the present. <laughs> I really think it was Argo's threats that did it. I think Argo definitely did it because the first thing that Fitz says as he comes to is, if you wear my clothes, I'm going to explode your head. <laughs> like, you know it made it through. Uh, and that Argo's... was it. Althea thinks she's a bad boss bitch, and she is. But she is. the power of love be. and clothes really <laughs> comes through. See, I thought chaos was maybe just done with him. That's it probably the truth. It was more chaotic to let him get like right to the brink and then then let it, him go. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's the interesting thing. That could certainly be it. The way it plays out is it seems like Althea was the one to bring him back. But as much as she seems cool, I'm like, I still don't know if I trust her. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. More than fair in this game. <sighs> trust The game of trust no one and lock your doors. <laughs> And hide your apples. But make sure make sure that your tent has a back door, though, because otherwise someone will <laughs> Otherwise, it. some little asshole is going to rip it open and just go out the back way. Or even worse, they will flip it over. Or oh. they'll flip. <laughs> I love that Justin doubled down. It wasn't, oh, obviously these are tents, therefore they are made of, like, canvas. <laughs> no, no. I'm tipping this shit over. Yeah, I think Justin was maybe thinking of like a pup tent, like, like pup you know, like I like, think that's exactly what he was like, thinking. Like regular, like this was some kind of Boy Scout camp or something with like right. a nylon tent. Because he asked if it has a bottom or not in the right. course of flipping it over, not how big it is, which I thought right. was was an interesting. So they were just not quite quite on the same page about the the visualization of the tent. But I do enjoy uh, the the visual and the the concept of the fear bulk just really being at his breaking point and just being like i i not only am i not going to use the door i'm not even going to cut it open i'm going to flip the whole thing over <laughs> rip it out of the ground flipping the tent is a new flipping a table That's when it. you're big and bad enough it <laughs> certainly is and the obvious is true that motherfucker calhane has framed our heroes he beat them to it he's got the apple he's got their bag and he's showing it to both leaders mm-hmm. so you know really congratulations to everybody who did not trust this guy you were right <laughs> <laughs> well, on this, okay, I'm, I'm back at the murder board. I'm pulling my pin out of yeah. my hand. Out. Oof, and yeah. this is where I think we might have a red herring yeah. on our hands. Because Calhane 
had the apple and mm-hmm. never checked in. Now, now that I'm thinking huh. about it, literally in the second, yeah, maybe it's because he was on this whirlwind chase time. with these two. Yeah, and he didn't run back. But Could also, be. I just, I feel like... What if he was doing mm, it for Higgs? What if that's not what Hieronymus wants? Yeah. I mean... That could be. Yeah, I That's mean, a very good point. Well, because also, like, if he wanted to frame them, he could have made it look like maybe they were the ones who stole it. But, like, mm-hmm. he's still got to get away with the apple. Right. And you sort of wonder why, in the course of other things that kind of look like they were unplanned, or were at least he moved up the timeline on them, why didn't he just leave with the apple? Like, exactly. Why wouldn't you just book it? And then, um, you know, try and make it seem like, oh, the fearful god hungry native, you know, or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly it. It's like, what's your end game? What yeah. What is the value of framing them? Because, again, you don't end up with the apple this way. Right. Yeah. Except, unless it was just to make sure they don't get it. Because this is where I'm thinking, like, again, if somebody else was listening in on Althea's bug, mm. if that got back to Hieronymus and he knew they just needed this apple or, you know, the apple and yeah. whatever else. If it mm-hmm. was just a an attempt to make sure they don't get it. Yeah. And at the same time, make them all look very bad in a way that, like, could get them expelled. And that gets them out of his hair entirely. Mm. I don't know. Just a thought. That's a good thought. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say at this point. I think I think there's right. a lot of oh. a lot of moving parts now and so a lot of many. things that we don't know. A lot percolating. This whole episode was moving around like the movie is it the cube? Yes. Yes. You're, it's cube. Yeah. It's just cube, isn't it? Probably. I've seen mm-hmm. it once. They made several. Cube, Hellraiser. What? Yeah, they made sequels oh, to there's Cube. There's tons of yeah. Cube Zero. What? Cube was the best one, the first one, but they made others. Well, mission accomplished. <laughs> So something else that came to mind as we were discussing this apple is what does Higglemas actually know about this thing and like mm-hmm. its source? Ooh. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought this up because I had not thought about this, to be honest. Yeah. And I think it's a really important question because like we know he wants to use it for the spell, but like he must right. know it's more than an apple, right? I mean, so he definitely right. thinks that it's important. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's just like, oh, well, the spirit of the Scarlet Woods loves it, so... It must be cool. Like, it seems like there must be more to it than that. (laughs) Right. It's not just that it's this hot commodity. Well, and that's exactly it. Because it's like, if for centuries or however long the centaurs have just been burying and burning this thing, Mm -hmm. that doesn't tell us anything about its properties or where, what it's made of or where it came from. So I'm like, why would he know he needs this for a spell? Yeah. Unless he has some sort of insight to the actual background of this thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I mean, we just sort of assumed that Phoronimus was was <laughs> trying to get this apple because he was trying to get it away from Hicklemus, but we don't actually know that that's true. Right. That sure. was an assumption. Exactly. Because maybe he wants it for something else. Like if, you know, if it's really powerful, maybe maybe there's something else he can do with it. Something right. like an evil spell of some kind. I don't know what that would be. He's going to turn right. everybody into dogs, maybe. <laughs> there it is. Or is it, you know, tied to whoever this Phoronimus is? Is it mm-hmm. something from wherever they're from? I don't know. We just don't know. I just don't know, but for what it's worth, for as much mystery and mystique as around this apple, I feel like Hegelmas has to know something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. He definitely knows a lot more than he's telling them, which yeah. certainly raises some questions about why he isn't telling them. Exactly mm-hmm. that. Like, it's 
wild to me that nobody else has any info on this thing. Mm-hmm. It's something to think about, for sure. I'm, uh, I can't wait to see how this turns out. Oof. The important thing is, at least, Fitz is awake. Mm-hmm. We still have to find out how much he did hear Argo say, because we know he heard the last part about the clothes. <laughs> did he hear the part before that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So we still have to find Does out there. Know what Argo knows, yeah. Ooh. And of course, how does all of this play out with our dear Fearbulg being caught? Kind of not red-handed? Mm, we'll find out. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Is there anything we forgot to bring up that we want to talk about now? It, it does seem like everybody's in, in kind of a bad situation here, except maybe Argo. Like, I guess he's doing kind of okay, but the Fearbulg, yeah. it seems like being accused of stealing something, given what we know about his past now uh, and oh, having been no. expelled, is he's probably not going to take that very oh, no. well. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's going to be rough on him, and we already know that um, they talked a little bit in the episode about Fitz and this relationship with Chaos, and that here he is in another situation where the only option that he's being offered in life is not the one that he wants. Um, yeah. that, that his his sort of future and his dreams just came, seem to keep slipping away from him oh, and his control. And Argo, I guess, is doing okay generally <laughs> at the moment. He's, he's hanging <laughs> he's in there. He's floating on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he knows where his, his lime is uh, and can handle it. <laughs> but <laughs> That's so poetic and beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, oh. Poor boys. I know. That's a very good point. I didn't even think about, especially the thing with the fear bulb. It's, it's pretty explosive mm-hmm. right now. Potentially, anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. Girls, dear listeners. Well, I just have one more thing. And don't worry, it's it's just a light one. Um, <laughs> I also pulled a quote from fear bulb, which was when he said, I have plans to ascend at Thunderman LLC, <laughs> but I do not plan to do this today. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that eventually he wants to be in the position that Fitzroy is in, but not this soon. Not like this. <laughs> I appreciate like it so this. much. <laughs> oh, that is so, I did not even, like, I heard that. I didn't put it together like that. That's, God, so good. It's just mwah, brilliant. I have, oh. I have one final comment, which is also a quote that I wasn't going to bring up, but if we're, in, if we're on the quote page... We're in quote town, but hey. <laughs> I, I want to say that if if somehow this podcast was also a book and I could put a blurb mm-hmm. on it that I did not write, I would like to put Griffin saying, that shit's unnecessary and I am here for it. <laughs> oh my God, that is, that's a very fitting one. <laughs> and with that, come with me, everybody, over to the polls. In fact, let's road trip over on horseback. Ooh. What treats are we going to bring? Turns out, with a perfect split... 31 to 31%, we are going to bring both pepperoni pretzel combos and Thacker's pepperoni gorf. <laughs> Y'all are heathens. <laughs> Y'all nasty. I mean, it, in, in fairness, we did only o- offer pepperoni-based options. <laughs> I mean, of all the pepperoni options, yeah. It was the lesser of the pepperoni evils. <laughs> and, you know, like Thacker said, it'll uh, keep your stamina up. It'll provide some protein. <laughs> So thank you, everybody, so much for voting. And this time, uh uh-oh, your boy's down. How are you going to break this curse? We'll have that poll up over on our Twitter, at Romancing Zone. And we'll all meet back here for our punishment uh, for suing this (laughs) apple in two weeks. Till then, take care of yourselves, and thanks so much for joining us. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. Keep walking, Lauren! (laughs) 